0: Well, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name. God bless your saints. Thank God for that wonderful band. Thank God for you joining us this evening for Bible study. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm just excited to have this opportunity to share again with you tonight. I'm just uh, also I want to just thank Uh, Those wonderful preachers who stood in my stead, I didn't get a chance to say it on Sunday, but I really appreciate Elder Wade who preached that Sunday morning and just did a phenomenal job. And I appreciate him. He'll always be a son of this house. And we thank God for him. And then Elder Martin, who stood up and taught out the depths of his soul like a senior soldier, preaching the gospel, and I appreciatively applaud both of them and give God heartfelt thanks for that. Uh, I tell you, God is just kind and good. Uh, last uh, a week or two ago, I guess it's been now, um, we were out. I wasn't feeling good, and uh, and I, right after, I, I don't know what happened. We were just kind of down and wasn't feeling like probably right, and then all of a sudden, I found out that the chairman of the board and that the chair lady of the diaconate board they both had COVID, which scared me. Uh, it's, it's amazing. We made it through 20, 21, almost made it through 20, made it through 22. And got to 23, and that's the first bout they've had, but they came back Sunday morning. In case you saw somebody shouting, I mean, it was low to the ground. But over in this left corner over here, they're doing a little dance, short head bop. That, that was digging as Medina. She was just happy to be back in the service of the Lord. Amen. And I thank God we were we were praising God in the office about the vaccine and the boosters and the mercy of God. That brought them through it. And I thank God I I just had a a bug, but bugs enough to push you down in these times here. But I thank God because we have great teachers and preachers in this house, both male and female, who God has anointed and appointed for such a time as this. And it was apparent they were ready to serve God. And so I praise God for them, and I praise God to have uh, my, my right-hand man back and right-hand lady and, uh, and uh, my, my other deaconess <laughs> hiding over there. We, we are just grateful to God. So, look, tonight I'm going to spend a few moments. I want to I take some time and deal with the second psalm tonight. And I'm not going to be long. Of course, you all know what we are experiencing right now. Amen. You know what we're going through. And I want to just praise God with you and thank God. Uh, I saw someone mention, I didn't get to read the entire note, but someone mentioned Nolan uh, uh minister Nolan uh it was a phenomenal Sunday when I saw that flag just lifted up before the Lord I actually saw the flag and then when I saw it I said you got to you got to wave that for God it, it just ushered in the spirit and I, I just praise God amen we thank God for that and for the teachings of our dear sister amen what a blessing we have been so blessed We are blessed here in this house with great saints of God that serve God. Now, let me do this. Okay, let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you. And God, you know what the season and the time that we are experiencing as a people in this nation, you know this nation is suffering, God, from evil on every hand. We ask God that you bless us, that we might be light in darkness that we might be true disciples, learning of thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 2 is interesting. And let me just set up Psalm 2 for you. Psalm 1, we we start out with this tree planted by the rivers of water. And I'll come back to that at some other point. But I want to get Psalm 2 in tonight because there is what I have been talking about as nourishment for the soul. And and for me, the nourishment for the soul begins with a knowledge about our God and about God's own self-appointment to my good, to your good, about God's omnipotent uh, power that is always available for those who will submit to him, who are willing to serve him and trust him and love him. And it is important that you get Psalm 2 because if you get Psalm 2, you understand your connectedness into the promises of God that were given to Israel but were extended to all who would come into a place of knowledge and understanding of the messianic power and in our case as new testament saints of he who would come to the earth and who would go to calvary and so when one understands this psalm 2 one gets to see psalm 2 not simply as a psalm of worship and adoration but more so as a psalm of celebration a psalm of praise but more than celebration and praise it is a psalm of prayer it is offered to god this psalm this psalm is messianic in nature it is messianic it is it is royal it is regal it lifts up the king and god's Anointing upon God's anointed so that the coronation of the king would be the appointed thing that God would place. And in this case, this is a part of the Davidic promise of God upon him. And ultimately that same promise that would rest upon the Lord and his anointed Jesus. So when one looks at this psalm, one sees this psalm first as the people looking out and seeing the mockery of other nations who dismiss God, who don't care about God, who who serve other gods and other idols and worship other things. But then you see twisted in the psalm of God looking back and looking at their mockery and God mocking them. You, you laugh at me now. You are you, created. I'm creator. You have no power here. And in this psalm, there is a gentleness for the Gentiles. In other words, the psalm starts off with the mockery of those Gentile nations against Israel and against their God. And then the psalm moves at the end to this open invitation for those, even Gentiles, who would come to our God. That's why when one thinks about this psalm, one has to think about it in its royalness and in its messianic terms because it is fascinating how God would extend God's own self to those who are unwilling to even recognize God. You know, I want to say this to you. You know, God does not save us because we're good. God does not save us because we've done right. God does not save us because we have it together. You know, we, we pick people in our lives that match what we want. We pick those who have those great attributes, who, who look good. You know, you, you your sisters like tall, dark, and handsome. And some of you brothers like certain features and, and certain body so much so that people do mod- body modifications. So when you when you someone comes home, it's like that that old uh, exploitation film, I'm gonna get you sucker. That was the name of it. When when the gentleman took the woman home and she started taking off all the body parts, he didn't have much left. It, everything was bolt-on. But that's because that's how we choose. We choose something that looks good. But here's God. God saves us because we need saving. In this story, you're a murderer, you need saving. You're a liar, you need saving. You're a thief, you need saving. You're a drug dealer and you don't have a pharmacy degree, you need saving. God says, I I, I pick you. And, and here, New Testament saints get this. He says, I'm going to explain this to you before you start thinking you all that. You did not choose me, I chose you. And, and, and it's sort of like you. some of y'all R&B folk know that song. I choose you, baby. Never mind, never mind. Right. Listen, God... God loves us. This is why you and I ought to always be able to to help others who are not up to standard and par find Jesus because not because they look a particular way, but because they need the Lord. That's the only reason. That's what it's all about. So let me weave my way. Thank you. This is what. Let me weave my way through this text. By looking at five movements of the psalm, five movements of Psalm 2, five movements. It it moves here. There's a rhythm of this psalm. And it begins, let's let's begin at verse 1. Why are the nations in an uproar and turmoil against God? Why do the people devise vain, helpless plots? The, the, the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed, the Davidic king, the Messiah, the Christ, saying, "Let us break apart their bands of restraint and cast away their cords of control over us." Here, 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 the first movement of this psalm. Is a movement that speaks to rebellion. Rebellion. And, and, and you need to recognize rebellion. Rebellion is what got Satan cast out of heaven, rebellion is what, what causes wars, <clears throat> rebellion is what turns kingdoms. Rebellion is what we saw on January 6, not too long ago, when those persons tried to uh, stop the peaceful transfer of power. That's, that's rebellion. That's insurrection. And he says, you all who are nations who are rising up against God's anointed, uh, rising up against God's promise, you you need to know that what you're doing is going to be unfruitful, unsuccessful, and it's unsustainable. You can can rise up, you can rebel, but it's not going to work. It's unfruitful. It's not going to work. See, anything that rises against God cannot work. You, you, can't, you can't come against your, your the, the, the old play was, your arms are too short to box with God. You 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 can't get in this fight. When you come against God, it won't work. It is utter brutality at its worst. You can't fight God. You can't fight God. I, I, I think that When one talks of this as messianic, one can actually see how the early church took the words from this psalm and said, this applies to Jesus. So the early church saw the messianic link between this psalm and Jesus. Y'all got to stay with me. Remember now, all of the members of the early disciples would have been what? Jews. All of the disciples were Jews. When they went in for the the last supper, as we like to call it, it was what? The Passover supper. They were Jews. They would have been taught from their childhood up the holy scriptures. They would have been taught the psalm. And so when they went back into the recollection of memory, they said, oh, my God. I see something in here that I didn't see before. And here, listen, go to Acts chapter 4, verse 25 through 27. I've got the New King James in front of me. Here he says, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stands and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Notice that the church saw in this text not just the pronouncement about the kings of of Israel as in the Davidic reign and the power of God upon that Messiah, anointed one. They saw in it this new move of God that was taking place under the reign and aegis of Jesus, the holy servant of God. They they, they saw something in it and they connected the two so that when one reads Psalm 2, one's reading messianic literature as the church would have depicted it. Now we're talking 38 AD. 38 AD, we're, we're talking thousands of years ago. They made a connection between the two. Was it simply to resolve the fact that Jesus died a horrific death? Was it to resolve the fact that Jesus was not accepted by everyone? Was it to resolve the fact that Pilate and Herod and Gentiles and even children of Israel came against him? Yes, but it was also to connect with what they knew as God's promise that this would happen that those on the outside would come against what God's trying to do in rebellion. But the rebellion would be unfruitful, it would be unsuccessful, and unsustainable. So what they were doing was going to be in their own futility and folly. This is important. Not only is it important as you think of Jesus, or this messianic text, but it is important for your own life. As you come to grips with the fact that not everybody's gonna like you, not everybody's gonna be your friend, Not everybody's gonna salute you or support you. And there'll be some people that'll plot against you. And there'll be some folk that'll talk about you and criticize and condemn and complain about you. But don't be unnerved by that. Whenever you're walking under an anointing that's going to shake up the status quo, you're going to know that there will be rebellion and somebody is not going to like what God's doing in your life. That's the deeper lesson here. That's the deeper lesson. So you, you get upset because folk come against you or folk talk about you. I get upset when they don't. It means you're not doing enough. You're not an agitator enough. You're not making a move enough. You need to get to the place where you don't allow the criticism to make you go back into depression and to get in your bed in a fetal position. You make the criticism your fuel. You get jet fire and you do the will of God all the more. There's a rebellion there in the text. But then the second move of God in the text is the response, the response. There's a rebellion. But there's also a divine response. God looks at them, and you know what God does? God laughs at their foolishness. God, God laughs, and it's not just a regular laughter. God gets that that, that grin where he just, <laughs> really? It's that kind of grin like, mm, I guess I'm going to have to show you who I am. I got to show you who what, what I'm working with. I got to, it's a, a laughter mixed with holy contempt. Look at verse four. He who sits enthroned in the heavens laughs at their rebellion the sovereign lord scoffs at them and in supreme contempt he mocks them then he will speak to them in his profound anger and terrify them with his displeasure saying yet as for me i have anointed and firmly install my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. This day I proclaim I have begotten you. Watch this, watch this. You need to understand, messing with God, Getting God upset by rebellion only causes God to decree and declare what he's already promised and to not only bring it to pass, but if you fool around, he'll bring you down while he brings it to pass. Because you're not going to touch what God has blessed. You know the reason why you don't have to worry about when people get mad and say something about you? Because they can't mess with what God is doing. Look here! Don't 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 upset the Lord. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 16 and seven say, 17 says, "Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger, yeah yeah, I said, don't make him angry, be aroused against you. And what happens when he gets mad? He'll shut up the heavens." so that there'll be no rain and the land will yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land the Lord's given you. God said, just quick as I bless you, I can take it back. Listen, listen, you've got to know that when God says, here's what I've blessed, if you try to curse what God has blessed, you only upset God and God's anger gets violent. You know, in Second um, Kings 23, I believe it is, 26 through 27, he says, nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from his, the fierceness of his great wrath. God gets upset with his anger was aroused against Judah because of all of the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sights. As I have removed Israel and will cast off this city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of the Lord, which I said, my name shall be God. God said, Look, don't play with me. Don't play with me. And <clears throat> what we have to recognize is that God, when 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 rebellion is around, God sees rebellion, and his response to rebellion is to wipe it out to take care of it to push it to the side he says i'm going to tell you what i'm going to do look at look at verse 6 he says at verse 6 he says yet as for me i have anointed and firmly established my king Upon Zion, my holy mountain, Zion, Zion, Zion. I, I know we, you, we haven't sung it in a while, but um, we, we used to sing that song. Here in Zion, we do raise our holy banner to his name, all praise to Jesus matchless king here in zion jesus reigns yeah, yeah yeah you have to know when we talk about zion zion is simply another name for the temple mount in jerusalem It also can be referred to Jerusalem as a whole. So when he talks about, I've established my king in Zion, now we have a dualistic meaning here. Because what he's saying is, I put my leadership, being the Davidic reign, after David gets that that, 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 that thing back to to the place. He gets the ark back there. He says, I put my my king here. I've established this temple mount. I've established this place. I've established it. That's physical. But metaphorically, and, and in the future, at the Perusia, at the coming of the Lord, he says, I will establish Zion. I will establish a holy place where the people of God will worship me. That's why when he talks about Zion, he talks of my holy mountain, he's talking about that hill. That's why when 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 my my, my dear brothers and sisters of another faith built that on the tip of Mount, what is one of the most beautiful mosques in the world? What, what the dome? You, you have to understand it is that place that Israel looks back to—that's a hard, t- that's a hard task to work through any kind of interfaith issues because both groups have this stake in this holy mountain. You and I see that mountain both as a physical thing, but we also see it metaphorically as God is establishing divine order in the kingdom and God has placed his leader there verse 7 he says look this covenant I've raised with David I'm going to keep my covenant the Davidic covenant he says look I will declare the decree of the Lord you are my son this day I have begotten you watch this watch this now, do you remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan? I, I, you remember the, the Spirit of the Lord descends in the form of a dove, and the voice speaks out? Behold, this is my beloved, what? Son in whom I am well pleased. This text correlates with the Davidic messianic kind of idea of a covenant that God had with the children of Israel and with David in particular. Watch this. In Psalm chapter two, verse seven, uh, Psalm chapter, second, no, let me do it this way. Second Samuel, rather, chapter seven, verse 14. Second Samuel, chapter seven, verse 14. Most of y'all know this one. He says here, I will be his father, And he shall be my son. If he commits any iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. He says, I'm going to make a son out of him. I'm, I'm committed to him as son. And now we have this sonship. And so there's something here that has this power beyond the text of God's reign, rule, and realm in both the physical and the spiritual realm. Okay, I, I, I gotta press my claim just a little more. So the third movement comes up in verse eight, nine, and 10. Look at what it says, ask of me. Stop right there, ask of me. So you you, you here's the third movement. The third movement is the request, the request, request. Third movement, request. You got it, request. I. Um, that's important because here's what he says: Ask of me, and I will assuredly give you the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them in pieces like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, act wisely. Be instructed and take warnings, O leaders and judges and rulers of the earth. He says, look, I'm gonna tell you now, here's the request, ask of me, And I will what, these nations don't mean nothing. Matter of fact, I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. That's That's why we can truly say the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Look, he instructs them that I am getting ready to do something so great, so powerful. He says, I'm getting ready to give you such authority in the earth realm that you will break them with the rod of iron. That's verse nine, the rod of iron. So what does it mean, the rod of iron? The rod of iron represents a powerful element in the earth realm that can crush other elements. So he says, I will give you the rod of iron that has the power, same verse 19, to shatter earthen vessels, to break them in pieces. He says, that's the power that comes and the authority that comes with this. He says, you've got to know that I'm giving you power so that when one sees iron, one not only sees power and authority, one also sees strength when one sees iron so that what I get when I look at this text of this messianic movement of God in the earth realm is that God is telling them that I'm giving power wait a minute What, what was it that Jesus said when he got up all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me there's power in it now notice now, in the prophetic ramblings, and, and they almost appear to be ramblings of, of the John the Revelator, he goes back and he refers to this psalm. That's why I told you this is a royal psalm and it's powerful because this psalm both works in time and in eternity. In time as in while we live and exist in this realm, but it works in eternity as in at the return of Jesus, we will see a fulfillment of some of that which is in this psalm according to if John the revelator is correct. Because in Revelations 2, 27, he says what? He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel, as I also have received from my father. Woo. Revelations 12:5. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his and his throne. Revelation nineteen fifteen says, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, Who that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with what? A rod of iron. Now you start to see how important Psalm 2 is. Good googly moogly, it's got some power, and it's got some juice in it. He himself treads the winepress, of fierceness and the wrath of the almighty is this psalm is boss y'all this song this song be cooking when you tie it all together we we cook it with fat meat grease tonight okay I'm sorry, I'm sorry you know i get excited you know i get excited look let's let's do verse 11 we're gonna break verse 11 and verse 12 into two pieces that'll give us four and five so in verse 11 he says Now, here's what I'm going to tell you all to do. Worship the Lord and serve him with reverence, with awe-inspired fear and submissive wonder. Rejoice, yet do so with trembling. Verse number four, the fourth movement of the text is the reverence, is reverence, reverence. The fourth movement is the reverence of God. You got to get this. it goes back to the message. Message to Gentile. Message to Israel. The message is simple. You better reverence this God. This God is a bad dude. This God is awesome, almighty, all-knowing. You better worship him. You better reverence him. Here's the message to the Gentile. There's a door of opportunity open for you. Because while, while we're talking about your rebellion, there's also an opportunity for your salvation to enter into divine fellowship. There's an opportunity, the fellowship opportunity, the doors of the church are open. Submit to the one true and living God. That, there is the reverence. You, 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 he, he, says, he says, but when you do it, come in submitting. Come in recognizing that God is God. Come in recognizing the Lord, he is God. And worthy to be praised, and besides him there is no other. Come in recognizing that he is the total one. He's all that you need. Come in recognizing that God stands above everything else. Let God arise and your enemies be scattered. Come in recognizing that when you bow down before him, not only are you to rejoice, but you ought to be so humble that you're yet trembling. You ought you you to recognize that I'm not just in the presence of an earthly king, I'm in the presence of God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is. And the one who shall be. The one from everlasting to everlasting. He who is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. When I get into his presence, I reverence him. Glory to God. I learn how to honor God with all that I am and with all that I can be and with all that I should be. I reverence him because he's worthy. He's worthy to receive honor, power, and glory and dominion. He's that kind of God. He's worthy. The Lord is worthy. And so he says, reverence God, reverence him. Don't, 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 don't play around with it. Don't don't just act like you're gonna do it and then don't do it. No, you 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 ought to be awe inspired. You ought to submit to the very wonders of God. Ah. You know, um, who who made the mountains? Uh, Who who made the seas? Who made the rivers that go out to the sea? And who gives me strength from day to day? And the old song said, somebody bigger than you and I. Reverence God. I, people got cavalier about this reverence thing, and you got people using the Lord's name in their profanity. You, you, there's enough words in the English language that if you really want to speak to someone in an aggressive manner, you don't have to invoke the name of our God in the midst of it because it shows a lack of reverence. The, the Israelites were, were so wise that they would not even say the divine name. They would replace it. They would not use God's name. Why? Because it was meant to be holy. Reverence. And there are times in our lives when we forget to reverence God. We we come into church and act any old kind of way. Say anything we want to say to anybody because we think we're grown, not realizing we're in the house of God and it ought to be reverence. I'm telling you now, I I don't care if you're watching me on Facebook and YouTube. When you start getting into the worship experience, shut off everything else. Don't leave the TV running. Don't leave your music in the background. Get into the presence of God. Reverence God. Nothing wrong with watching online. Nothing wrong with participating in e church. But something is wrong if you participate distracted because it's a sign that you don't reverence God. And if you're distracted, you're dismissing what the Spirit is trying to say to the church. Let's get back to reverencing God. Uh, We get back to reverencing God. Uh, We reverence him in everything we do. Our ancestors, when they got around communion, they they would take it and they would would spend so much time handling it and passing it out and being careful how they handle it. And I know we're in a time of COVID and you'll be able to take it in your home and we're blessing it for you. But let me tell you something. My mother, when she got sick, oh, good God almighty, when she was sick, my mother would take communion just like she would if she was in church and she would be praying and blessing God and cleansing herself hadn't committed a sin that I knew of but she'd be asking God for forgiveness and for purification and to make sure she was holy because that was a holy woman who reverenced the holy God and when she sang all the blood of Jesus or there's power in the blood or what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood she reverenced the God that gave the Christ and the Messiah because that God was worthy to be praised and reverenced whether you're at home or in the church he's worthy I gotta get out I gotta close I'm great to live great clothes. ha glory I felt that day and he says he says you need to know something last he says I say kiss verse 12 Pay respect to the Son, and so that he does not become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled and set aflame. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God are all those who take refuge in him. Number five is refuge. Number five is refuge. Uh, you got to know, you've got to take refuge in him. You've you got to realize that he is God. Uh, you've you got to know that when that you can turn to God, you can come to him, and you can claim your place in God, you can recognize that God wants us to know that he loves us, that we're precious to him. My Jewish brothers and sisters understood what it meant to take refuge in God. Now we believers who have come and been grafted in to this relationship with God, we need to learn how to kiss the son. Kiss the son, kiss the son. There are two different Interpretations and and, and and there's a line here in the Amplified Version that lifts up for you the Torah meaning, which is the word, of, uh, one of the translations could mean pure. And because they believe that Torah was pure or the word was pure, they would kiss the revelation. So when it says kiss the son, the Jewish brothers and sisters believe that it also could mean kiss the Torah reverence the scripture kiss the Torah and if you ever go and be blessed and honored to sit in synagogue on a Sabbath day when they bring the Torah out and they parade it around the sanctuary congregants will walk up to the Torah and kiss it literally they kiss the Torah they kiss it they kiss it why are you kissing it? Because this is the holy word of God. I reverence this word. In this word is my refuge. In this word is the nourishment of my soul. In this word is the light unto my feet. In this word is the lamp unto my pathway. I, I Kiss the Torah. I kiss the word. I kiss the son. I kiss the God who gave the word. And I hold God's word sacrosanct and holy and reverent and powerful. And I will not take it for granted. I will not forsake it. I kiss the word. I kiss the Torah. I kiss that which is most pure. Each of us have to find a way to kiss the word or at the very least recognizing the kissing of the son is to offer respect as we enter into God's refuge. Don't take refuge in something you don't respect and reverence. This is the word of God, for the people of God, and I have to say, thanks be to God. Oh, hallelujah. God bless you, saints. I hope you all enjoy the word tonight. I, I feel I'm on fire. I can preach all night, I'm telling you. I feel the anointing. I felt my help come, and I felt the power of God. I love each one of you with the love of the Lord. Thank you for joining us here tonight. I want to give an invitation. If there's somebody who has heard this word tonight says, look, I want to be a partner in that ministry. I want to join that church. I want to be a part of that fellowship. I want to welcome you today. You can become an I-member here. Look here. You can join us. The phone number's on there, 860-443-6046, extension 110, or Church at Men at Shiloh, Complex.org. Listen, you need to come. It's actually Shiloh NL for New London Complex.org. You need to be a part of this church. Say, hey, I like that teaching. I like that preacher. I want to be there. I look forward to you. Join in with us. Thank you so much, saints, for being a part of this study tonight. I invite you to give tonight as unto the Lord. Don't don't give grudgingly of necessity. You know when we take an offering tonight, we give it away. That's right. We give it away. Everything taken on Tuesday night when we don't have a guest preacher. Now we have a guest preacher, we have to honor God and honor the man or woman of God. And we do that because we love God and we treat God's people right. Put that back on the screen again. There are three ways to give. And again, the Shiloh Baptist Church, by Givelify, make sure it's New London. Amen. And then the dollar sign Shiloh NL, cash app or mail it in. Give your gifts unto the Lord. Be a partner with us in this ministry. We still need your support for the soup kitchen, for the not the soup kitchen, but the food giveaway, food pantry. We still need to keep doing what we're doing, and so your support helps us. Now I got to tell you something. We can get um, some food from Food Share, some food from the United Way, the Jim uh, Moran Center, and it's great and it's helpful. But we're in a season now where those places are short as well. So we have to supplement anything we get. And we go out, we send to the store, um, our diss is the farm. Uh, told told Britney's I need some resource. I got to go down. And she found a store all the way in New Haven that had a great sale. Went down there and bought back stuff for the pantry. Because we just want to help people. That's what it's all about. We don't ask for anything from anybody that comes. We just help. And because you're the kind of people you are, we can keep doing what we're doing. So support Shiloh. Support our church. Support what we're trying to do as we give back into the community. Well, I appreciate you. I love you all. I want to tell you tomorrow, join us for community prayer tomorrow at 1 p.m. Tomorrow, 1 p.m., we'll be online. We'll teach another dynamic word, and we'll offer a word of prayer with you. Join us for community prayer tomorrow. And then finally, I want to just appreciate and thank all of you for your cards and your well wishes and your uh, text messages to my wife, to, to uh, Mother Reeves, um, you know this has been a very difficult time and uh, the loss of uh, Deacon George Reeves was a, a hard hit for the family and today's been a difficult day as you would expect as my wife went with her brother down to view. Her, um her her father and her brother was able to cut his her father his father's hair for the last time there at the funeral home so you know it's been a tough time and I want to thank God for him he's a great man a great deacon a great person now I want you to know the services are Wednesday evening five to seven and it's at First Baptist Church of Milford Connecticut First Baptist Church, Milford, Connecticut. If you want to come down, that's the that's the viewing time. Uh, then on Thursday morning at 11 a.m., same place, First Baptist Church, Milford, will be the final services for Deacon George H. Reeves. So you're more than welcome to join us if you want. And there's going to be information. We're going to send it out. If you can't be there and you want to join us online, there'll be information. Uh, I believe Brother Solomon has put together a cast and him and Benjamin are working on some stuff, and there's video and things that they're doing. And I'm just excited about celebrating his life, and I know that he is with the Lord. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And they know it too. But as you know, the earthly body that we live in is emotional. And we all feel the loss and the grief, even when we are fully aware of the presence of our God. So pray for each other and pray during this time. I did not get a chance to mention uh, on Sunday, Brother Jenkins, Brother Dennis and I have been talking so much about his brother who just recently lost his wife. And, uh, and I just ask you to keep him in your prayers, Brother Brother Jenkins, in your prayers. Keep him in your prayers. And um, I just I just know that we have to pray for each other now. You know, if there was ever a time for you to find a prayer partner, it's right now. Not a gossip partner, a prayer partner. And if you can't find a prayer partner, and even if you can, you and your prayer partner ought to be on the prayer call every Wednesday. It's not a long call, but you ought to be on there getting that feeding, getting that encouragement. Again, keep my wife, keep Ronnie in, and, uh, and keep uh, keep the whole family in your prayers. Mark, kids, my kids, his kids, Mike's kids. Keep all those children in your prayers. They're going to need it. I love you all. Guess what I'm going to tell you all? One last thing. One last thing. There's something that God has given us that just doesn't make sense. And when we have it in the midst of trauma, we know. It's not us, it's God. It's called peace, and it surpasses all understanding. And I speak it to you as a blessed benediction every time, and I simply say to you tonight, you know what it is, shalom.